0: It's good to see everyone here this morning um as we uh are on uh, the tail end of the month of July moving into the uh beginning of august um it's uh time flies by, I guess I would say, and uh you know, there's no rest for the weary, you know, time waits for no one, you know, these are all good sayings, and cer- certainly are true, that, uh, you know, we have to make good use of our time while we have it, um, there will come a time when um, we will all pass from this life, the scripture tells us that it is accounted uh, for all of us to die, and then after that, the judgment. Um I know that uh, Father's Day was about a, a month ago, um, but I was uh, having a conversation with, um, with a, a friend of mine um, from back in college about what it means to be a man. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. And I want to start off with reading a poem that he and I had to memorize uh, when we were in college. Um, don't know the author of the, the poem, but the title of the poem is uh, Test of a Man, and uh, I'll read it for you this morning. It says, the test of a man is the fight that he makes, the grit that he daily shows, the way he stands upon his feet and takes life's numerous bumps and blows. A coward can smile when there's naught to fear, and nothing his progress bars but it takes a man to stand and cheer while the other fellow stars. It isn't the victory after all, but the fight that a brother makes. A man, when driven against the wall, still stands erect and takes the blows of fate. With his head held high, bleeding, bruised, and pale, is the man who will win and fate defied, for he isn't afraid to fail. And uh, I think that's a a beautiful poem. Um, And... uh, uh, It's something that we had to memorize while we were uh, pledging for the fraternity that uh, he and I uh, became members of. But uh, I got to thinking about that poem and really what uh, makes a man. um, And not just what the world says a man should be, but, you know, what the scripture says a man should be. Um, We all know what love is. And there are two commandments in the scripture that... uh, Both of which have a foundation and a love of self-sacrifice. You've heard me say that before many times. Um, You can go back and look at 1 John. Um, Even uh, going back to reading the the words of of Jesus Christ as, as he talks about the golden rule. Or the commandment that we ought to love our neighbors as ourselves. Um, and what he says is that a love of self-sacrifice um, requires, uh, first off, a love in a loving God, uh, loving God with all of your heart, your mind, and your soul, um, and also loving others as you love yourself, or putting the um, the wishes and well-being of others before the wishes and well-being of yourself. And that's what love is. Mm-hmm. Um, love is the foundation of our faith, for we know that it is only through Jesus Christ. Well, let's start off with God. It is only through God's love that uh, He gave His only begotten Son to die on the cross for all of our sins. John, the third chapter and verse number sixteen. We also know that it is through the the love that Christ had for His Father that He also remained obedient until death um as was commanded uh as as God had commanded him to do Amen. and then certainly um it is out of our love for God and for Christ that we have an opportunity to be with both of them in heaven um so love is the foundation it is the uh, the impetus of the reason why we're here this morning um and the reason why we call ourselves disciples of Christ or Christians so when I, I think about that, I think about that uh, the fact that uh, the test of a man really isn't anything other than his or, as the scripture would, would say, his or her ability uh, to love to the degree of being able to sacrifice oneself for someone else. Mm-hmm. Now, I say his or her because the there are a number of, you know so-called philosophers out there that say that the uh the scripture the, the bible has a um has a bias for men um that uh that you know there's some misogyny involved in 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 the words of god and we know that's not the case um i can give you a couple scriptures but one in particular jumps out to me in galatians the 3rd chapter um, in starting at verse number 26, uh, where Paul told the church in Galatia, For ye are all children of God by faith in, G- in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, uh, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Um, and that's certainly... Uh, the case that you know there is no distinction between the genders as it uh, as it pertains to God. Um, you know we can, as a matter of course, I guess I would say, as the Scripture does not um, certainly the New Testament Scripture is does not lend itself to teaching one how to be a good Christian man or teaching one to be a good Christian woman. Uh, the New Testament scripture is designed to teach us how to be good Christians. Amen. Period. Or, and I use that word um, maybe, maybe in the not, maybe not in the right context, because there's no such thing as a good Christian or a bad Christian. There's just a Christian. So the scripture is really designed to teach us all how to be Christians. And if you go back and you look at the uh, uh, Acts, it says that. Uh, Christians is a was a moniker given to the disciples of Christ. Um, they had to come up with a word to describe them. They, they, they first, um, they, were, they were called uh, uh, Nazarenes. Um, they were called a, a number of different things, but it says they were called Christians first in Antioch. Mm-hmm. Um, but Christian means to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus Christ. And so the New Testament Scripture, its intention, its only intention, is to teach all of us how to be followers of Jesus Christ. Now, as a a point of emphasis, I just want to highlight, uh, and if you can go back, you can go back and you can read Acts, the second chapter. It says that in the first century that the first 3,000 souls that were added to uh, the body of Christ, or the church of Christ, it says that they followed in the Apostles' Doctrine. And really what the Apostles' Doctrine was really all about, you can starting from, what is it, the, uh, the book of Acts all the way to the book of Revelation. Um, it, those epistles, those books were written by fellow disciples of Christ. Um, Jesus himself said that I didn't come here to give my word, but... My Father's Word. Um, My intention, Christ's intention, if you will, if I can, uh, as he says in the book of John, um, was not to make a commandment or lay forth a a set of principles um, that were his own, but to impart the principles of God the Almighty. And the same is true with the Apostles' Doctrine, Mm -hmm. is they are not imparting principles and laws that are their own, but simply regurgitating, imparting lessons that the 11 men and Paul, being an apostle out of due time, learned directly from Christ Jesus, which Christ Jesus directly got from God the Father. But I go back to uh, Galatians, the third chapter, here for a second, and I want to emphasize one thing in, in verse number 27. It says uh, again in the Galatians, the third chapter, in verse number twenty-seven. But as for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. And as we get into the lesson, I'm going to refer back to to that verse because I think that's extremely important as well. Is that as as all of us, male or female, um, Jew or Greek, bond or free. Um, as we have been baptized into Jesus Christ, as we have gone down in the water grave of baptism, as uh, Peter preached in that first Pentecostal sermon, um, in Acts, the second chapter in verse number 38, um, and is referenced in um, Acts, the sixth and the eighth chapters, that when we went down in the water grave of baptism, something happened to us. Mm-hmm. And what it means is, is we gave up our identity as, as specific individuals and we put on the identity of Christ Jesus. You know, I, I think about putting on clothes, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, when you, when you take a shower, you don't wear clothes, do you? Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, when we're cleansed uh, of our, you know, maybe of the bacteria and dirt and grime that's on our physical bodies, it requires us to be made naked. To take off, you know, the old dirty clothes, we get in the shower, we wash ourselves with soap and water, we cleanse our bodies, and then we put on clean clothes. And certainly is the case from a spiritual sense that when we are baptized into Christ Jesus, when we are cleansed of our sins, we gotta put on some new clothes. And we put on the new clothes, the new identity, the the new veneer, if you will. Well, it's not a veneer. Um, it's more than that. Um, but we put on an identity of Christ Jesus. And that's certainly what Paul is alluding to here in uh, Galatians, the third chapter, and verse number 27. And it's important to note that when we put on these new clothes, this new identity, that this these new clothes and these new identities are unisex. For as it states in the twenty eighth verse that when you do that, there is no distinction between the genders, and uh that's an important thing it's it's uh i, I can't think of uh, an a, an analogy maybe um putting on sweatsuit you know it, it's unisex there there is no male clothes or female clothes there's only disciple of christ clothes um and that's certainly. Uh, the case, But I get back to the, the, the topic of the lesson about the test of a man or what makes a man. And I want to start off by um, looking at the curse of a man. And uh, 1 Timothy, the fifth chapter in verse number eight uh, tells us that, you know, a, a man who does not take care of his own is worse than an infidel. And uh, an infidel is is a traitor. Um, an infidel is someone who is, you know, really has no loyalty to anything or anyone. Um, and as 1 Timothy, the fifth chapter and verse 1 tells us that the one or the man who doesn't take care of those of his own household um, is worse than that, is lower than an infidel. And we all know Maybe from uh, a loose remembrance of history, that infidels were punished with death. Um, As a matter of fact, that uh, as we know in the book of Revelation, that the infidel, Satan, you know, the one as we talked about last Lord's Day that left um, his estate or his habitation, um, he is an infidel. And we know that he and all of the angels that followed after him, those infidels, um, their fate is sealed. That they will have their place in the lake of fire and brimstone. Again, First Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8 says that the, the man who, um, again, does not follow through with his obligation to care for those of his household is worse than that. But I go back to uh, the curse of a man. And in Genesis the third chapter, um, and we can start looking at um, verse number 17. Again, the, the curse of a man, um, and this is God speaking to Adam. He says unto Adam, in again in Genesis the third chapter, verse number 17, because thou hast hearkened, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife. And I and I want to say that. That's an important distinction or just a point of emphasis I want to make is the reason why Adam was cursed was not just because he ate of the forbidden fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but because he hearkened unto the voice of his wife. I'll let that... Just kind of resonate for a few moments as we continue on with the lesson. He says, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree, see there's two things right so he because he hearkened unto the voice of his wife and ate of the tree, this is the uh the curse um, saying thou shalt not, uh let me read it let me read it again. Uh, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt, thy, shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall, bring, uh, shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till so thou return unto the ground for out of it wast thou taken for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt th- uh, and unto dust shalt thou return mm-hmm. it's important to to remember that in the Garden of Eden everything was suitable and um, I guess I would say suitable and healthy for. Adam and Eve to eat but in this curse we we see of a couple things a couple of God's creations that um, weren't mentioned or weren't a part of the the garden of Eden he says thorns also and thistles will the ground bring forth unto thee Mm -hmm. now I don't know if you've driven by uh, an agricultural field lately um, but every farmer has to deal with weeds. Right, I've got weeds in my front, the backyard. They are a nuisance. Mm-hmm. I spray them, I kill them, I don't water them, but every year they grow. All it takes is a good rain. Right? You can Heather and I were well, it wasn't Heather, but certainly me I was looking out front at the flower garden I was thinking. There they are again. Mm-hmm. You know, it requires diligence, it requires effort, it requires strength of will mm-hmm. to fight against those thorns and thistles that are a part of the curse that God put on man as a result of two things, him hearkening to his wife and eating the tree of the, the knowledge of good and even to this day, brothers and sisters in Christ, we still struggle with the weeds. Mm-hmm. We still struggle... To control this earth and the ground that affords us with the food that we eat. The scripture tells us again that um, thou shalt eat of the herb of the field. Well, absolutely. We eat of the herb of the field. Now you may say, well, I'm a carnivore. I don't eat fruits and vegetables. Uh, I just eat meat. Well, (laughs) I'm sorry to tell you, you're eating the herb of the field still right because the animals that you have slaughtered to provide that that meat that you say that you eat are fed again by the herbs of the field it goes on the same verse number 19 in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread in the sweat of the face of thy face will you be able to provide sustenance for yourself and when you die, guess what? It's going to be all for naught. Because guess what? All of that effort, all of that energy that you've exerted to reap sustenance from the field, from the ground. You know, you know all that sweat. When you die, guess what happens? It just goes right back to the dirt that, uh, that you came from. It, it's, it's a cyclical effect. It is curse it is vanity and if you don't grasp that take a look at the book of ecclesiastes and solomon the wise will tell you all about the vanity of life right Mm -hmm. as you work and toil to provide for yourself and to provide for your family it's vain Mm -hmm. because all that goes right back to the ground you don't get to keep it brothers and sisters in christ Mm -hmm. it's it's not a net positive Mm -hmm. (coughs) It's a wash. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And all of that time and energy and sweat that you put into your life is all for a wash. That's it. So that's the curse of a man. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's um, that's what we all deal with every single day. But the title of the lesson is "Is what is a man or what, is, what does it take to be a man or um, what is the testimony of a man. And I want to also read a passage of scripture from the book of Judges. And uh, in the book of Judges, um, and you know, you could start by reading. The story starts in Judges, the 13th chapter. Now. Here was a man by the name of Samson. And Samson, um, as uh, he's included in the book of Judges because he was a judge. Now, it's interesting um, how the scripture defines these judges. And and just to make sure we're on the same page. um, Go back to uh, Judges... um, The second chapter in verse number 16. Right? uh, Judges, the second chapter. uh, God is just fed up with... I don't want to say fed up because I don't want to put... I don't want to put human emotions on God. Um, But it says in Judges, the second chapter, that the anger of the Lord was hot. Mm -hmm. Now, my mom used to give me a warning when she was angry she said I'm hot you know and I know what that means I mean just in my past experience that at any moment right she could lash out at any moment and my mom didn't lash out but you all know what I mean right that belt would come out and pop upside the head that's it go to the bathroom I mean, interestingly enough, bare skin to leather. Mm-hmm. And it, it was, it hurt. My kids maybe don't know a whole lot about that because, you know, I, I get hot, um, but, uh, you know, different strokes for different folks, literally. Mm-hmm. Uh, my strokes were bare skin, they had a little layer of fabric uh, between their bare skin. Uh, when uh, when they made mom or dad angry, but I digress. Mm-hmm. It says again in Judges the second chapter and verse number fourteen that the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and so from time to time he delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them. Um, and and the reason why he did that um, was to raise the level of awareness amongst his children, the Israelites. Nevertheless, being the loving, uh, the, the father that he is, one who is full of mercy and loving kindness and, and all of those things. In verse number 16 of Judges, the second chapter, it says, Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges, which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. Right. And yet, mm-hmm. again, there's a word here that, Is interesting. Starts with the letter H. I'll say it here in a second. And it says, and yet they would not hearken unto their judges, but they went a whoring after other gods, and bowed themselves unto them. They turned quickly out of the way which the which their fathers walked in obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not Mm so. And you can read 18 and 19, but the moral of that story is, is that when the Lord raised up judges, right? He did that as a result of the, of Islamic kindness and mercy, as it says in verse number 18, the latter part, it says, for to repent of the Lord because of their groanings, he, he, he gave these judges to them. Mm-hmm. I bring up the, my mom purposely. Um, not to say that, uh, again, not about the spankings in particular. That was a digression. But, you know, when my mom was hot and she spanked me, I always appreciated it afterwards. Mm. That's a good, uh, just, just a, I didn't appreciate it at the time. I thought she was a bad person. I thought, how could she say she loved me and caused me so much pain and anguish? I remember well, y'all remember, you know, that, that, that one weapon. I remember it. I remember it. And I I put my hands behind me. She said, if you keep putting your hands back there, I'm going to, I'm going to whip you all up on your hands and your arms. And so I tried the defense technique of putting my hand back there to, you know, to, to, to ward against the pain of the stroke. Mm-hmm. And it kept coming. Whap, 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 whap. I remember one time it was so good, so effective, that I couldn't sit down for dinner that evening. Mm-hmm. But I always appreciated it afterwards because I understood what I did, because she always explained to me what I did wrong. She always explained the behavior that she was looking for and the reason why I was getting this spanking. I look back, obviously, as, as an older man, um, and I certainly understand where she came from because I was a hard-headed kid. I, I, I would have spanked me um, if I were, <laughs> if I were uh, my father, right? Or, or a parent of myself. Um, and I would say the same for all of us we we understand how difficult it was to for our parents to raise to raise <coughs> us, um, but <clears throat> she always stopped when enough was enough, mm-hmm. she stopped and certainly the case with God that he oppressed his children, <coughs> and when enough was enough, he raised up judges, mm-hmm. but as a child, as a stubborn hard headed kid as the the Israelites were stubborn and hard-headed. They hearkened not to the words of their father. And they went back to their old ways. And guess what happened? He spanked them one more time. So just, just to lay that foundation out of what the judges were. They were a, an act of mercy and loving kindness on the part of God to relieve them of a temporary discomfort that they were feeling, being oppressed. Um, by other nations. By the time we get to uh, Judges, the 13th chapter, um, we read of a woman, um, a man and a woman. <clears throat> says uh, there was a certain man of Zora, the family of, uh, of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and barren not. And it always seems like the, uh, you know, the, the woman. You know, two sets of parents, right, who have no hope of having children. They find hope through God. Right. And uh, uh, an angel appeared unto the, unto the woman and said, uh, you're going to bear a son. Right. And in verse number five, it says that this son will be a special son. Right. And you can't shave his head right. because he's going to be a Nazarite and it, there are other Nazarites um, in the scripture Samuel was a Nazarite um, and if you go back and you read um, I believe it's I want to say it's First Samuel um, he was also born to a woman that was barren right. and she right. gave birth to Samuel in her old age and yes <laughs> an angel did visit her and said that I believe his mother was Elkanah um, and Elkanah said if you give me this son, and some, what is it, Hannah? Hannah? Sorry, Hannah. Hannah said, If you give me this son, I will devote him. I will give him over to you, God, yes. for your service. And he also was a Nazarite. Um, but Samson was a Nazarite, and his father and mother were absolutely absolutely beside themselves with their love for their son mm-hmm. so much so that they bent over backwards for their son now if you, if you understand that the, the the mother and the father um, they hearkened unto the voice of the Lord and they did not cut his hair mm-hmm. he had long flowing hair um, and Samson knew just as well as his mother and father knew that as long as his hair was was not shaven, that God would endow him with strength. And it says that as a child he slayed a lion, a manifestation of the power that God gave him as a Nazarite and as a judge. But he didn't know he was a judge. He knew that he was a special child, but he wanted. Things his way, right. every single time his parents presented a a wife to him, a a wife of the nation of Israel, he shunned that wife, mm-hmm. and he told his parents, "Listen, I don't want any of those women. I want a wife of the Philistines." You can look at uh, John, or excuse me, Judges, the 15th chapter. It says, "But it came to pass within a while after, in the time." Of wheat harvest, that Samson visited his wife with a kid, and he said, I will go in to my wife into a chamber. But her father would not suffer him to go in. And her father said, I verily thought that thou hadst utterly hated her. Therefore I gave her to thy companion. Is not her younger sister fairer than she? Take her, I pray thee, instead of her. And guess what Samson did? Well, Samson didn't take no for an answer, and so what happened was is, and you can read all through Judges the fifteenth chapter. Not only did he destroy their substance, but he killed a number of people in his anger, because the woman that he wanted was not afforded him. In John, uh, excuse me, I, I keep saying John. In Judges the sixteenth chapter. Um, Starting at verse number 1, it says, Then went Samson to Gaza and saw there a harlot, and went unto her. And this is a Nazarite, mind you. This was supposed to be a man of God. But he wanted to do things his own way. He did not hearken unto his parents, and he certainly did not hearken unto the Lord. And so he, he went into Gaza, he found this this uh, woman of ill repute and went unto her. And it was told the Gazites, saying, Samson has come hither. And they compassed him in and laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city and were quiet all the night, saying, In the morning, when it is day, we'll pounce on him and kill him. Brilliant. It says, Samson lay till midnight and rose at midnight and took the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts, and went away with them, bar and all, and put them upon his shoulders, and carried them up to the top of the hill that is before Hebron. Mm-hmm. So he, you know, while they're waiting all night, he wakes up in the in midnight, right. and they they fa- and they fancied, see, boy, I don't want to. Okay, I'm going to digress again. He went to this harlot. And he found himself, after laying with his harlot, he found himself bound. So when he woke up, it says that he burst through the gates of the city, carrying, you know, if you can imagine, all the fasteners and the doors and the hinges and all those things, he ran out of the city. And it came to pass afterward, you know, if that weren't enough... Mm -hmm. For Samson, he found a woman by the name of Delilah. Mm -hmm. Now, Delilah was a wolf in sheep's clothing. She was a daughter of the Philistines. She was tantalizingly beautiful. Mm -hmm. How do I know this? Because Samson was a ladies' man. And so he sees Delilah and she entices him with all of her wiles and her beauty and her ways and says, hey, tell me the secret of your strength. Now, Samson is he he, he'd like to think that he's smarter than that. But he wasn't. And it says. Let's look at verse number 15 of Judges, the 16th chapter. And she said unto him, and I'm going to try to use a, a, a sultry voice here, as much as a, a man can do that. She said unto him, <clears throat> how, canst, how canst thou say, I love thee, when thine heart is not with me? Thou hast mocked me these three times and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed until death. Wow. <laughs> that he told her all his heart and sent him to hear. It. And I'm going to say this with the annoying voice of a man who is constantly being berated by his woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I say that with all humility um, possible. <clears throat> There hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaving, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. Is that enough? Will you leave me alone? And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart in exasperation, mind you, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, I've got it. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Mm-hmm. She was a harlot, just like the first harlot. Right. She took her pay and her leave. You know that Samson was, was, um, was bound, or rather, his hair was cut while he was sleeping. He was. Sleeping. He was bound, and he was presented to the king of the Philistines. I'm going to stop right there for a second. I want to talk about, again, what it means to be a man. Mm -hmm. If you have your Bibles, um, turn to, I believe it's 1 Corinthians, which is our scripture reading this morning. Uh, 1 Corinthians, the... 11th chapter, verses 1 through 3. Paul, as he has written this epistle to the church of Corinth, and if you remember last Lord's Day, there were a number of things that we would blush at today <laughs> going on at the church of Corinth. Right. It. it, it I mean... Talk about Jerry Springer time, if I can use use that term. It, it was, it was, unfathomable, and I guess maybe non-unfathomable because they're no different than any one of us. I mean, I can't, I I can't judge them because I'm not their judge. But what I can tell you is, is that there were a number of, um, there were a number of faults, at in the in the congregation at the Church of Corinth that Paul. Had to or hoped to correct by sending Timothy and others right. to these various congregations, certainly in Corinth, uh, with these letters to correct it. And, and what he is trying to do in uh, 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, is to lay a foundation here that's very important. He starts off by saying, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. And if you remember what I mentioned in Acts, the second chapter in verse number 42, um, even in in, in verse number 41, it says that the the first 3,000 souls that were added to the church of Christ, it says that they followed in the apostles' doctrine. Right. Right? And Christ added to the church daily such as should be saved. And so... The whole idea um, with the apostles was that they were men who walked with Christ, right. and what they laid forth is not their own doctrine, but the doctrine of Christ, whose doctrine was not his own, but was his father's doctrine. And so Paul again highlights in First Corinthians eleven chapter and verse number one. Again, follow me. As I follow Christ. Mm-hmm. Now I praise you brother. That you remember me in all things. And keep the ordinances. As I delivered them to you. Right. But I would have you know. Right he says. Brothers I want you to follow the ordinances. As I have delivered them to you. Right. But I would have you know. That the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Now you may you may look at if I were to write this out graphically, it, it's not following right. what you would imagine to be a, a you know an upward arrow, right? With it, you know you would you would imagine that the first part of that phrase would be. The, the head of the woman is the man. That's step number one. And step number two, you, you would think that the, the head of the man is Christ. Right. And then the very last statement being, you know, the head of Christ is God. That's correct. That's If I were to look at it in that... But that's not the way it's, it's laid out in this verse. For a reason, of course. It says that starts off with the very first statement that the head of man is Christ and the head of the woman is man that's important right you know the head of man is Christ that's the, that's the first and foremost right? and Paul is a man who just stated in verse number one be followers of me as a man Is I am of Christ. So it makes sense that he started off by saying, Keep my ordinances as I've delivered unto you, but I just want to make sure you're aware of this: that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying having his head covered. Covered, dishonoreth his head, um, but every, every woman that prayeth and prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head for that even for that is even all one as if she were shaven. Now you may think, well, that's not right, or that's not fair. Go back and read the curse of a woman in the book of Genesis. You know what the, the woman's curse was? Mm-hmm. That she was going to be subordinate to the man. And, that all, and, and also that she would labor in childbirth. Yes. And that also there would forever be enmity between her children and Satan. Yes. The snake. The serpent. But the first one was that you are going to have to be in obeisance to the man. Mm-hmm. That's a part of the curse of the woman. Right? right? Yes. I didn't. I, I don't make the rules. You can say what you want about what you want. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't make the rules, but that's what God said. That is the curse. And, <laughs> okay, maybe just because... let's read it uh, genesis the the third chapter Let's find it uh, yes uh, Genesis the third chapter and verse number sixteen. I apologize i right. It says, God, and this is God saying it unto the woman. I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. Interesting. He says, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and conception. So the sorrow and the conception are two different things. Right. In sorrow, thou shalt bring forth children. And guess what? And thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. That's the curse of a woman. Mm -hmm. Just as there's a curse of a man. I didn't make, I didn't say it, God said it. Now, if you look at what it says in 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, it says, again, that a woman who does not cover her head. Or does not um, What's the word I'm looking for here? Um, humble herself by putting. And again, I I go back to Genesis, the third chapter, and verse number sixteen. The desire her the her desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over her. Right, the woman who does who does even praying and prophesying who does not subjugate herself the way that the scripture has commanded a woman to do per the curse, per the woman's choice, Eve, to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If she does not do that, it is as if her head were shaven and she is to be ashamed. It says in verse number six, for if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. If it's a shame for a woman to, uh, as it was custom back in those times, for a woman to be bald. Mm-hmm. Right? If her hair is her glory, as the scripture tells us. If that is the case, if, if a state of being shaven is to be a state of being ashamed, then let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. Now you may say, well, that's sexist. That's misogynistic in some way. It says in verse number 8, just if you think that's the case, for the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. You understand now, if you don't get it, go back to the book of Genesis, right? That the woman was created from the rib of man. Woman was created by God because he saw that it was not suitable for man to be alone. Man needed a helpmate. This goes all the way back to the beginning. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. Now it's important to make, uh, to make note here that what Paul is saying is that it requires, or not requires, but it is suitable for the man and the woman to be together in the Lord. You can go back to the book of Genesis again, where Adam says, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And furthermore, where it says, by this, you know, uh, God said that it was suitable for a man to leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife. And these two twain become one flesh. It goes on to say in verse number twelve, for as the woman is of the man, even so is a man, also by the woman, but all things of god so i i I get back to this point of what does it mean to be a man? Well, what it means to be a man is to acknowledge that you need a good woman mm-hmm. to be a good man, mm-hmm. and the scripture tells us that uh, you know that we are to not be unequally yoked mm-hmm. well I think about this that if I want to be a good man I ought to be yoked or in a, a relationship with a good woman Right. Oh, man. how do I know this go back and look at what happened to Samson mm-hmm. Samson was a good man mm-hmm. or he was supposed to be a good right. man He was supposed to be a man of God and he forsook every woman in his life who would be a good woman for God. He forsook all of those and he took unto himself a woman who was ungodly in every way. And guess what? He lost. Mm -hmm. If you go back and you... um, Look at uh, what happened to Sam, uh, Samson. He's, he's, he's shaven, right? His hair is starting to grow, but it's certainly not as long as it used to be. He's blind because the king had plucked out both of his eyes. Right. And he's standing there as a trophy, right? The king is having a great party, right, with all of his dignitaries in the Philistine empire. And he's got the, the great... All, you know, mighty Samson, the, the champion of the Israelites in his I don't know, hall of sorts where people are you know sipping on adult beverages and you know rubbing elbows with one another and they, they you've got this shaven and ashamed mm-hmm. Samson with no eyes. His eyes were plucked out of his skull. And guess what he does? Mm-hmm. He, bows and, he bows his head to God. Mm-hmm. And he asks for forgiveness. Yes. He asks for forgiveness. And he says, I'm a... And you've got to understand, Samson was the type of man that anybody on the planet Earth would say, that's a man. Mm-hmm. Look at that guy. Mm-hmm. Look at that guy. He's a man. He's got a hairy chest, hairy arm, hairy head, hairy face, right? He's slain lions with his bare hands. That's a man. Look at him. He's got any woman he could ever want. He's rich. He's, he's got a doting mother and father. He's a man. But here, he's, here he finds himself less than a man. He bows himself down to God, and he prays. What does he pray for? This is what he prays for in Judges, the 17th chapter. Uh, Judges, uh, excuse me, the 16th chapter in verse number 28. It says, Samuel called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And so what did he do? He got himself ready to go. It says in verse number 29 that he took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and upon on which it was borne up of the one in his right hand and the other with his left. And he said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all of his might, and the house fell upon the Lord's and all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. Now you got to remember that Just a chapter beforehand, Samson had killed a thousand Philistines. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But this is what it means to be a man. And this is what um, it means to be not just a man, but but also a woman, but generally to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Is to acknowledge that you are not the center of the universe. That it is only through God that you are able to do anything. Samson, being a Nazarite for God, he went to God and he prayed and he said, Just this once, God, give me the strength to do what you have intended for me to do. Give me the opportunity to avenge what has happened to me in my life. And it says he bowed himself with all of His strength, and He brought down the walls of this great hall. And He died as a judge. Mm -hmm. As one who delivered His people in His death. And I think about Christ. Christ was an uh, He was a man. Mm -hmm. The best man. Mm -hmm. The type of man that I want to be that you want to be, that I want my son to be. Mm -hmm. That's what a man is. It's somebody who puts others before himself, even to the point of death. Isn't that what love is? A man is a man who is willing to die for the ones that he cares about. First Timothy uh, talks about you know that uh, uh, let me let me flip over here real quick you know as it talks about I think it's Titus my apologies yes, Titus the second chapter about what old men Need to teach young men. Mm-hmm. He says in Titus the second chapter in verse number six, that the young men, likewise, need to be taught to be sober-minded mm-hmm. in all things showing themselves a good pattern of good works and doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed having no evil thing to say of you. Right. But if you notice, there's you know, things that women need to be taught, right. young girls need to be taught, right. and also what young men need to be taught. But as I just referenced before, that when we are baptized into Christ Jesus, we put on the clothing of Christ, which has no distinction between male or female. The garments of Christ Jesus are without gender. They can be worn by men and they can be worn by women. But those garments are rooted in love. A man should be the head of his house as the scripture tells us. But it says that a man or a husband should love his wife even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. You know what that means is that the man should love his woman not just as himself, but more than himself. But the man should also love Christ and God more than he loves his woman. Adam loved Eve. Mm-hmm. So much so, and you remember I said I was going to come back to that. Right. He loved his wife so much, but yet and still, he forgot about his love for Christ. He, got about, excuse me, he forgot about his love for God. Right. God expressly told him, do not eat of the tree of the fruit, excuse me, do not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. <laughs> And because he hearkened unto the voice of his wife and not to the voice of the Almighty, he was cursed with the same things that you and I deal with every single day. Because, as it states in 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, in verse number 3, it says, Paul said to them, uh, the church of Corinth, as he says to us today, But I have you know that the head of man is Christ. Christ dictates to me as a man the things that I should do. Mm-hmm. That is where my ultimate obeisance um, lies, is to Christ Jesus. And he goes on to say that the head of the man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. We all have somebody we we need to follow after. And the woman needs to be in subjection to her man in all things, as it states in the Scripture.